Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another episode of Merkaba Chakras podcast. Today, I get the honor of interviewing New York financial planner, Trice Pruitt. Now, what makes Trice different from other financial planners is that she's grounded in the art of manifesting through having focus, clear intentions, and is not shy about following through with the action plan to accomplish financial success for her clients. Trees, welcome to Merkaba Chakras. Let's talk money, money, money. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, thank you so much for, um, for coming on for the show. So this is a very, very relevant topic right now. Money is, if it's not in the forefront of many people's mind, it is very close up there at these times of a little bit of chaos with the economy, no matter where you are in the world, um, with the pandemic and whatever phase you are. And even before this time and long after, it, it could be something that, again, affects a lot of your personal well-being in your life. So we're going to unpack this huge topic about money and how um, how it's gotten such a bad rap <laughs> in our society. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we get into some of the discussions, um, can you tell us your story for how you became a financial planner and how you took the art a manifestation into your practice. Yeah, the um, I became a financial planner because I I was always interested in money. We grew up very financially challenged. We lived in a bus. We lived in the trailer, the neighbor's trailer, and and we graduated. We hopped up to the duplex and all that stuff. But uh, so it, this as soon as I turned 12, I said, I want a paper out. As soon as I turned 16, I worked at McDonald's. And then I wanted to go down and invest my money at Edward Jones because I knew that the only way to get rich was to invest. And so, but I'm an artist. I'm an artist at heart and my heart was calling me and I became a fashion designer and moved to New York City. However, my best friend at the time was totally wrapped in debt, broke, struggling, and he was a very proud Eastern European man. And I said, let me help you. And he says, I don't take charity. And I said, well, then pay me. <laughs> and he became my first client and it worked so well that I said, well, maybe I just saved what he was paying me. And over the couple of years, my friend, other friends joined 
then I went back to NYU and got my CFP, which is a certified financial planning with an emphasis on investing. Now, the first decade of financial planning, or the first five years, let's say, I was, I say, what are your top three financial goals and we'll achieve them in one year? And I was very textbook oriented for the first two or three years, but I found, oh my heavens, if we keep this strategy up, people are not going to get their dreams because we are feeling people. We are emotional people. We are not linear people and trying to do it by the book. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have wisdom and guidance from some kind of strategy, but some I just realized some people were never going to get there. A specific example is I had a client with $108,000 of credit card debt, uh, sorry, $108,000 of student loan debt. And they were feeling defeated. They put their, their payments, their $1,400 a month massive payment into the credit card calculator and it said it would take over a decade to pay it off and they're just like what's the point in trying we're going to live for 10 years for nothing or 12 years I said oh let's disregard that let's prove that calculator wrong I never use those calculators and I asked them do you know why and they said because they don't account for money magic that's what I call it in my practice money magic or the on scene for events so I said that's Let's put out our intention that we are going to pay $20,000 in three months. They ended up paying off over $24,000 in three months when the most that they could do was $1,400 a month like clockwork. They didn't work any extra hours. It wasn't like they pounded the pavement. They put out the intention and magical things started showing up well, maybe we're eligible for a tax return. Maybe this could happen. Maybe that could happen. That's fascinating. So um, what were some of the magical things that were happening to your clients when they were in that, um, that framework of manifesting with you guys? You guys both had the same intention. You had the same game plan. Um, you had the same energy riding through what what you guys wanted what were some of the things that that showed up what that's kind of unusual yeah i can i can pinpoint how they got all the magic it was we put out the intention and this started in july of 2020 july people do their taxes about six months before that they had not filed their taxes and then they said well maybe we're eligible for a tax return they filed their taxes they got eight thousand there reviews were coming and the woman got a $2,000 bonus. Then they're like, Teresa, there's nothing else. I mean, that's a lot of magic. We're tapped out. I said, just hold the line, hold the vision, hold the vibration. And it just so happened the pandemic was hit and they have these two young bouncing kids and the woman's mother, she, not that she's exceedingly wealthy, but she just felt like she wanted to do something and she offered them $5,000. They could take, they could do whatever they wanted with it. They decided to put it to their student loans. Then, even then they're like, okay, there's no more wins. I'm like, no, no, no. Our intention is 20,000. That's not throw in the towel. They're like, it's only 30 days. And oh my gosh, we got this gift. I said, hold the intention. <laughs> 
And we were looking over their budget. And I said, let's just be open to possibilities. And I said, well, your rent, their rent was $3,000 a month. And I said, well, when does your lease come due? Well, it just so happens to come due this month. I said, well, let's just ask if there's any wiggle room on the price because the pandemic, all this, oh no, we couldn't. We already gave a verbal yes that we're continuing. I said, there's, there's no harm in asking anything. They got a $300 per month decrease on rent. So that's over $3,600 a year. And then I said, hold the vision. But by now, they weren't willing to just settle. They had 15 more days left. And the market, had, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's unbelievable. The market has been boop, 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 going up, 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 up. Not a great time to invest. Opportunities will come. So his father usually gave him a couple thousand dollars to invest in a 529 for his kids. However, it wouldn't be appropriate time to do that. So he, with his newly acquired negotiating skills, and he, he told me he was a tragic negotiator, I literally typed out what to say to the landlord, verbatim. Then he took those exact words and he used them on his father. He said, hey, it's a bad time to invest in the market, but I know you sometimes give us some money. Maybe it would be okay if we put that money to our student loans. He told me later, his father talked to his financial planner and the financial planner said, well, sounds like they're talking to a financial planner. And because he was being prudent with his money, he gave him 5,000 bucks. He doubled his gift. And this took their loans, yeah, down almost 25,000. I'm rounding because I can't add up my mind exactly. Maybe I'm rounding 22 to 25, somewhere crazy in less than 90 days. Not through elbow grease, but through the power of intention. And law of attraction, they only say you have to do three things. Ask, believe, receive. Now, it's so hard for us to ask sometimes. We play the other person's hand too much. And a, a little boldness was required. But because of that, they shredded the theory of the spreadsheet and started to see the power of their new reality. Right, right. That that's a wonderful story because um a lot of those weird kind of things come up. And why why is it that cuz I I have um I have asked uh, clients myself I do um hypnosis and when they come here trying to get clarity in what they're trying to manifest in their life with their higher self. One of the things before we even get to that part, we talk about what what do you want out of XYZ? And 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 instead of spending hours and hours sitting there looking at a blank wall, I have them do their homework before they come to me because then I will call them out on what what they're working on and call them out on the things that they say that they want. But then you find out they're not following through with the plan of what they say they want. And one of the hardest things is knowing what you want. Why is it that people have such a hard time defining exactly what they want when they're given, ask anything? I think because we've been trained to not dream too big. I, I find that, it, uh, why, you know, so if you look at parents, especially us, we're parents, our, 
most parents, my parents adore and love me, but their primary love and care is about safety, mm-hmm. existing, you putting a roof over your head, not wild dream fantasies, not shooting for the moon. My mother, I, my mother loves me to the core. She would lie down in traffic for me, but I make her nervous by the core of my being just because my spirit says I'm an entrepreneur. She really wants the linear, the steady paycheck, the da 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 da, all that laid out, health benefits. Even though I can provide those for myself, even after 12 years of runway, she still <laughs> has fantasies of me working for the man. Mm. Do you think it's a lack of faith in the universe? Well, have we have we been taught to think that way? You know, I think that most, so my brother is an Ivy League graduate and he, he is my client, but he does not do the financial planning his wife does, who is an artist and a painter, mm-hmm. because he cannot understand how things are going to line up. The budget doesn't line up. That doesn't matter. That's a result. It's the action behind the budget. And mm-hmm. this makes him quiver with raw nerves because we have been trained at least in the western world and in america for 20 years that a you add you go up the stairs you do these things in linear order the universe does not work in linear order it's getting comfortable with the unknown that the path will unfold like headlights on a road this is a very uncomfortable way of feeling. And unless you hold that intention, mm-hmm. like I told you with my clients, really, I was just the vision of holding the intention. Hold the intention. It will work. Hold the intention. But they kept saying, I couldn't see more possibilities. So I think it takes a leap of faith and that there's not in the Western world, at least a conscious teaching of the road will appear. Right, right. Right. I definitely see that. Right, right. I definitely see that. You're kind of like a walking Celestine prophecy. (laughs) Oh, I have to read that. I haven't read it in a deck. The the movie is is entertaining as well, where they're kind of like, hold the intention, hold the vibration. Otherwise, if you don't hold it, they're going to see us. They're going to see us. Hold the high energy, and then they're going to be invisible to them. And and that's kind of the, the, um, the takeaway that I, that I, I see is, is um, we have a game plan. We're also going to leave room for the universe to surprise us so that we can be grateful when we are surprised each and every single time we are surprised. Um, and so it takes a little, it's kind of like uh, you put the intention, uh, you know what you want, you get clarity, you put your intention, you're doing the steps. So you're not, they're not going out and spending great amounts of money on, on this and that and being going gambling and all that kind of stuff. So they're not, you know, retracting. So they're, they're doing the things that they need, but then they also um, with the action plan that they're doing, um, your clients are also leaving room to be open to the universe as it comes to and just kind of being open and working with you kind of um, you're kind of like their financial um, life coach. <laughs> but um, the thing that I find very interesting is that a lot of people talk about have faith, have faith, have faith, blah, blah. And I, you have faith in the blue. Um, 
And when it when push comes to shove and circumstances are happening and you're you're doing the things that you need to get to where you want to be, um, many people don't truly understand how the universe works. Because if they understood how the energy of the universe works, then they would have faith because of course gravity will go down. That's how it works. So in in terms of financial planning, because I I firmly do believe that all of the the steps in the universe for creating and manifesting can be applied in any area of your life just the same exact way. Absolutely. And you are applying it in your business of financial planning. So again, remind people how does the universe deliver um, you know, financial abundance? What is the steps again? Because and so people can try this out for themselves and see how cut and clear the universe is. Well, okay. If I'm going to actually just try to say, do A, B, and C, and D, I would say first you have to remove your money blocks. And you might say, well, what is a money block? A money block is a subconscious way of thinking about money that often you're not conscious of. For example, I went to art school. I went to fashion design school. And as artists, they they put poverty on a pedestal. And I was always like, I want to be rich. <laughs> so I was the antithesis of the person. So I never thought I had a scarcity mindset. However, the richer I became, the more I evolved, I bought my own apartment, whatever. I still had that feeling that something would come along and take everything away. And I was always afraid my husband's business would bankrupt us. He has a spa. People were complaining about cracks in the floor. And he's like, it's not a big deal. I spent three months laying tile because I was so afraid that it's going to look shabby and blah, blah, blah. And he won't pay for it. It took me a, now when you're doing that, that might not seem like a bad idea, but if you're working on taking orders from the voice of scarcity, you cannot be spending your time taking orders from the voice of abundance. And so I squandered my time in a way to protecting against a minimal loss rather than walking into my abundant future. And I did that repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. So if anybody feels like, dude, I'm putting the work, I'm putting the effort, and I don't see the results, that is a money block. The universe works crazy efficiently and I already I'm manifesting a million dollar yearly income stream and the universe already brought it to me and I missed it now I did see it go by <laughs> but that's because it was money blocks that I can remove and the universe is crazy generous they will give you infinite chances they will never tire of trying to present you with the thing that you desire and so it was painful to see it go by, but I said, I won't miss round two. Mm -hmm. So the first step is to remove money blocks. The second step is to be bold enough to ask for what you want in life. And I would say anybody that's just practicing, take what you want and double it. If you want a thousand dollar raise, ask for a $2,000 raise because you're, you're, they say what? The per, you, you're limiting yourself. I forget how they phrase it, but your vision is the limit on you. And if you've been operating from the scarcity mindset, ask big. 
And if you're not, just ask big anyway, because the universe delivered, they doesn't know size. The other biggest, then, you know, you follow the signs of the universe, but the other hugest hiccup is being open to receive. This is, oh, I didn't want it to come in that way. Oh, they didn't say it the right way. No, I want to do it this way. And it really, it really blocks the universe handing your stuff. For example, my lifelong dream is to teach children about money. I pondered how I could do this. I took classes on how to read, how to write children's books. Anyway, then I figured I have to teach young adults, but then teach their kids. So I started my YouTube channel and it kept going in the direction of law of attraction. And I kept trying to talk about finance <laughs> and and then I killed the channel through my scarcity mindset. It really just, it was going to the stratosphere and it, I just killed it because of my, and I finally surrendered. I said, I have a law of attraction channel. Yes, you can pepper it with your stories of finance, but don't just break out in an investment video. And if I would have heard that message from the universe, I would have be where I want to be already. It, it delivers you the message in a way that's the most efficient, not the way that it's pictured in your mind. So you have to be open to receive how life shows up for you. Does that, am right. I resonating? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, can, I can give another um, point to that. So oftentimes um, people that I've come across will have issues with um, what they deem as abundance because they think that they have to be the one that does all the work, makes all the money to buy all the things that they want to experience. And that's the idea of abundance. So if they wanted, um, I was talking to my friend who's like, I really want a beach house with a boat and, um, you know, whenever I want to. And, but I'm, I'm never going to make enough money to do all that because I'm just, an IT person. And I said, well, what's your idea of abundance? You just want a beach house and a boat to go wherever you want. Guess what? You have friends that have a beach house and a boat that don't ever spend time there. Call them and ask them whenever you want to go and spend there. There you go. You got what you wanted. You don't have to do anything more. You don't have and to spend ask. any money. And you have to ask. You just had to be clear with what you wanted. You want a beach house and a boat to spend whenever you feel like it. You put it out there. And guess what? Your friends came back to you and said, hey, I have a beach house with a boat. You can use it whenever you want because we're so busy working that we're never able to enjoy it. So at least someone's going to enjoy the property um, and the toys while we're paying for it to sit there vacant. And so now she goes there whenever she wants to and enjoys it. Beautiful story. Yes. And, and that's abundance. But people think oftentimes, especially in the West, they think that um, abundance has to be through ego. It has to be through themselves. They have to do it all. They have to control it all. They have to control how it comes through. And if you're open to how the universe delivers, oftentimes it is, it is going to find ways to kind of cut corners the fastest, like you said, yeah, exactly. The fastest ways to cut corners to give you exactly what you want that's going to benefit everyone, not Absolutely. just you. So in that situation, the friends who... Um, weren't able to spend time on their beachfront property, um, but they're still paying for it and nobody was able to because everybody was busy with other things. 
felt good that somebody was actually enjoying it and they weren't wasting their money on it. At the same time, she was able to enjoy what she wanted, whatever she wanted to just basically it was a glorified house, <laughs> housemaid, water the plants, um, take make care sure of it's safe. Yes. Make sure it's safe, you know, don't, don't let it dust, dust it whenever. So anyways, it was a win-win situation. And when people think about that kind of stuff, it's always going to be a win-win situation. Um, the higher energies are always going to be a win-win situation where multiple people benefit from it. And the funny thing is when she um, would go and spend time at her friend's beach house, she ended up meeting the old lady next door who needed somebody to watch over her and help her with groceries and just kind of checking on her in case she you know, fell or not. So it was more wins. But if she had not opened herself to that kind of abundance mind for it, mindset, uh, there's more ways to do it. She would have completely closed off a door that would have helped two families and herself. It's the, that is that is perfect. The possibilities expand to infinite if you're willing to see them. Yeah. So just be open to it. And and I'm getting what you're saying is like know what you want and even like one of the one of the things a lot of people ask questions about in finances is i don't know if i'm in the career that i want i want to find a new career but i don't want to start all over again and go from like you know a low paying pay cut to start a better career that i'm more passionate about whatever um what do you say for people who's in a kind of a career transition and they're kind of tied to the financials that they have worked up to in their current career now, what would you say to people like that? Yeah, then, you know, it's, so for me, let me think how to say it. I believe that we're constantly evolving. So you might enter a career that you found very satisfying and then a decade later, oh my gosh, you're tapping your toe with boredom. And you're like, how did I get here? You're, you simply have evolved. That's all. So what do you do in that situation? You focus on doing the best work possible at your desk. I am talking about myself. I have been a financial planner for 12 or 13 years. Just me in one room by myself for a decade. And I was getting bored. So I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on doing the best work possible for these clients. And then I'm also on the side going to create an outlet for a new opportunity. Hence, I opened my YouTube channel. I didn't know, I didn't know where it was going to go, but that would, what, that's what allowed so much freedom. There was no dependency on it. I, I really believe if you want to make it rain with money, you have to enjoy what you're doing because you'll be willing to put in long hours because you're enjoying the process. It's interesting. It makes you curious. You, you hunger to do it as opposed to a job that bores the thread out of you. You say, oh my gosh, how can I get the least amount done without getting fired? That's what it is. And so you start doing amazing work at your job. And then you pick a side note, something that interests you. And I say, dream as 
big as possible. Go for exactly what makes you the most curious. Do not worry how the money will line up. That is irrelevant. It will line up. And then you just are allowed to play. And what happened with my YouTube channel? I was a beginner. I was a novice. And do you think your first video is amazing? No, it's total crap. And only, the only way to get better is to ship it and get on to video two. But you have to ship it. And so all of a sudden, I found so much love and freedom in my financial planning practice because I knew I was good at it. I felt confident in it. And it fanned that flame of, okay, if all else fails, I know I can do this. But it also gave me the wings to try and evolve and spread out and led me in a direction that just your wildest dreams. You've right. Right. Yeah. That's one thing I really liked about it because you were giving financial advice, but from the perspective of manifestation and using universal laws to do it. So I was like, well, that's different than the normal. Okay. Let's open your 401k. Crack that open, dust it out. Oh, let's the, go. <laughs> yeah, those are important, but they are, I mean, they're very, but it's boring. That's, that's the base. So from what I'm getting is that's the basics of the things that you need to do. But then, you know, you have to get clear with what you want. And then you get, that's the basics, the, the ABCs that you have to do. Just like if you want to lose weight, you got to eat right. You guys, you know, work out. Those are the steps that you need to do. But then at the same time, even when you're um, like, let's say you're trying to lose weight, the, the third element that people miss sometimes is the psychological that you're not going to be that same size forever. But even though you're shedding the weight off, you still think of your old self at that size and you psychologically continue to make decisions that um, have not involve, evolved from the, the, the previous version the heavier set version that you were at. So with your with 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 what you're doing, the translation would be get clarity what you want, do the the basic things that you have to do. So don't go gambling all your money away and <laughs> causing more problems for yourself. Um, be wise enough to do that to know that. But then also let's get clear with the universe on how this abundance is going to to come come forth um let's be open-minded to try different things and as we start trying it's kind of like take the first step just take the first step the next the next step will come and then the next step will come and then the bigger picture will come and so forth and just keep following the the leads or following synchronicity yep um you know the the it will start happening and every single day will be synchronicity after synchronicity after synchronicity because you're following the cookie trumps. You're making the step work. So you're doing the psychological work, the third aspect, the psychological work on the spirit to, um, to work with how the, the energy of the universe um, flows. Now, the thing that I know, I know that you know, um, but I believe that finances are just another type of relationship that people have. Just like, you know, that 1989 song by Callaway. I'm not sure you remember it, but it's, um, I want to be rich. Mm -hmm. So for people, <laughs> for people who did not, was not raised in the eighties, like us, <laughs> uh, you know, the song, the song goes, I want money, lots and lots of money. I want a pie in the sky. I want to be rich. Oh, 
for the love, peace, and happiness. So if you replace the word money with love, then it's just another way to work with the energy of love. And with that, why is money given such a bad reputation? Why do so many people equate being rich, like you said earlier in the, in the interview, gotta be rich, being rich when you finally attain love, peace, and happiness, just like the song goes. Why is that? I, I really think it's because tragically people have not been taught how to manage their money and make it multiply. Most people, when it says, when you hear the statement, make my money work hard for me, a blank pops in their mind. Not because they're morons. I don't know anything about uh, brain surgery. A blank pops in my mind. I don't even know anything about cooking, to be honest. However, if those things were there, that would not be the case. And what happens is, have you ever wanted something but felt it was unattainable, felt like it was out of your reach. I always wanted to be pretty, but anytime somebody saw me in the makeup aisle, I would run away because of fear of them telling me that it was not possible for me. And so I don't think it's any deeper than that is that it feels unattainable and that creates this animosity and that creates this subconscious resentment and it starts to manifest in ways like, well, being rich makes you greedy or power turns you evil. No, money is a piece of paper. Power and money amplify your natural qualities. So if you're a kind, generous person, you flowing in money is going to amplify that. You're a rich, greedy, you're a bastard and you're cheap and you're mean. <laughs> Money's going to amplify that. It's a microphone reflecting your personality. And when you see people have genies at their fingertips and it looks so easy and magical and that's not available, it hurts. There's no way to, I, I think that's a universal feeling. I know that's how it felt for my family. I'm like, there has to be a secret. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. But I, I, I know for a lot of people around me, they thought it was impossible. It's never going to happen. You have to be born rich to be rich. And a lot of people that I grew up with still feel that way. And I really think it's simply because they have not been given the education. There is only five things that you need to be wildly wealthy, wildly wealthy on any income, teacher salary. You have to remove subconscious money blocks, ways of teaching. You have to learn how to manage your finances where instead of thinking budgets are diets, you think budgets are for rich girls. Those are the maps to wealth. You have to learn how to invest. Freaky, scary, no, totally doable in a step-by-step -step process. You need to know how to negotiate, which just simply a seductive way to get a better price. And you need to know how to use leverage. The only way most Americans know how to use leverage is buying a home. You put a little bit down, you're allowed to purchase something big. But if you could do that all over your life, these five tools, you do not have to work hard. I'm not saying you don't have to work, but you don't have to grind. You don't have to, you know, mm -hmm. do you see how those things, which rich people know how to do 
allow money to multiply, they know how to make money multiply. And those skills are available for all of us. Now, they're not easily packaged and easily relatable. I'm not saying that, but they're available. Right, right. I, I totally get that. Again, it's just about being um, creative problem solvers. Yes, imagination is definitely a super, yeah, a superpower of finance. Yeah, it's, it's just about being creative problem solvers. Um, I, I live in a fluent neighborhood and most of the cars are not new. <laughs> okay. Um, for the most interesting. part. Yeah, interesting, right? For the most part, they're, they're driving their old Subaru that they got when, <laughs> when they bought it like 20 years ago. So anyways, for the most part. Um, but, you know, but the thing is, is that many people are creative problem solvers. You'll get four or five different ways to do the same thing. And then they'll just evaluate, well, that, that's one way to do it. Maybe we can try doing it this, this different way or, you know, whatever. So I, um, I know that like for instance in right now we're going through the pandemic and a lot of people are really worried about their finances right now because of the pandemic and um you know childcare has obviously evolved <laughs> and so has online school for kids it has evolved this year just because of it and so a lot of people are kind of asking well how are you doing the childcare in the school should we um do pods for for small groups of kids that play together all the time, the families hang out, should we do pods? How are you like, okay, so if you're doing landscaping, instead of having different landscapers for every single house, let's, um, if you're open, my landscape is really good. Um, let's all use the same one so we can minimize um, the amount of different people coming into a neighborhood so everybody's talking different ways um if somebody were to be sick then you know then people would just um do care packets and drop it off in the front of the door with all of their um cold medicines and everything else our phone numbers to call us if in the middle of the night you just really need somebody to help you or whatever your ppe's are there mm -hmm. all these different things and you know right before this pandemic really took um took full swing back in march in my neighborhood we were already looking at all the potentials and different ways in which we were going to ride this out however long or however short it was and how we were going to be creative problem solvers if this came up there was three or four different ways to do it. If this came up, there was multiple ways to do it. And that's really what I'm seeing, I'm hearing with a lot of the things that you do with your clients is don't be stuck. It has to be one way. There's multiple ways to consider and multiple ways to do it without using all your finances and draining your finances to do it or using all your energy and draining your energy to accomplish the same thing. And that's what I keep hearing consistently over and over again, that you're teaching your clients how to reprogram their scarcity mindset. Um, so being abundant to multiple ways to leverage different things, different resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I really like that. Um, now, you know, I, I get some hypnosis clients and I get deeper into their money matters of the heart. And I often find that the root cause of money mismanagement is that some people use it to compensate for a lack of love in their childhood issues from 
neglectful parents or repeating the same conditioning that they learn from their parents about how to manage finances. Um, is that something that you have found in your practice? I mean, what are some of the root causes that people should consider addressing before their money matters spiral out of control into financial chaos and they pull like the whole family down with them? Can you address that issue? Absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, that question really resonated with me because it is exactly the same. So I have these five different ways to build your wealth, but I always tell people, no matter where they start, start with uncovering money blocks. And I didn't tell you before we started, I do have a free worksheet. If you're interested to, for your viewers, they can have it because the number one thing I mean, I have people that earn a quarter of a million, a half a million, and can't hold on to one cent. Now, that's not a problem with earning power. That is a subconscious money block. And the number one money block I call a love block. It's a block that was created sometime when you were young-ish. It could be before you were seven, but usually before 10. And it was some, it was formed in some way, that your parents did not approve of you. So in, instead of continuing on the self-actualization process of showing the world your true colors, you learn to adapt. Maybe people please, maybe hide your true self, maybe say, no, 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 I'll do everything myself. I refuse help, something like this. So most common ones, scarcity mindset, people pleasing, unable to receive one I call the Cinderella syndrome which means somebody will just swoop in and save me so I don't have to think ever about it but obviously that forms a very deep sense of instability inside oneself that one is very big I've noticed amongst women the yes. this, this the hero save me Prince Charming, and then I, I, I give up everything just for you. And if Prince Charming and the magical fairy tale doesn't work out long term, um, they're kind of screwed financially. Totally. Um, and they don't, because they never worked on themselves. And what I find too is, especially with um, young women dating, there is a trend continuing of many women young and older who continue to date for the to find somebody who is going to provide for them and yeah. so they sacrifice so much of what they want in a man just because he can provide can you address that issue because it it is one of the issues especially amongst women and and relationships that cause so much destruction amongst families yeah, again, I feel like a broken record, but I, I, it comes back to this subconscious feeling that you can't do it yourself. It, it, it's not more difficult than that. It manifests in different ways, and, or that you're going to have to sacrifice and live on rice cakes and never have a beautiful thing in your universe ever again. And these are the options, which don't sound very fun, <laughs> and. Obviously, if anybody's into law of attraction, they know that all possibilities exist at all times. But what's happening is this love block, I call it, is only allowing them to see these very limited perspectives this way 
or nothing. <laughs> so I would rather sacrifice. And it it's hard to be able to step move out of that place without first addressing that energetic block why it's holding you there and how you address it is you you find it you can find it through this worksheet by looking for it and really bringing it to consciousness if you think of consciousness like the sun it has so much power to shift things that were holding you in place Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, again, it's it's about working with energies of the universe and giving the energy the space to do its job and stop getting in the way. Um, you know, one of the things that I get with my hypnosis clients um, as well and in, in interviews that I've done with my book interviews is that some of them, when it comes to finances, they've had great role models but they did not get training in proper management of finances in high school. So um, they get, they get, it's kind of like they, they go to grade school and, and then they get let out into the world and are expected to know how to pay the bills, <laughs> how to budget, how to do debt management. Um, and they should get it in the, f- the first place. Like you should already get this already, but that's not the case. Most high schools don't, they, maybe they have like maybe one little worksheet worksheet that they do, but barely even have a class on finances as a requirement um but then they're let out into the world okay figure it out for yourself you're 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 18 you're adult now now what good money tips can you give parents of teenagers and even young adults who are going through this right now learning for the first time how to swim straight out of high school i i love that question in so many levels first this this magical i'm just magically supposed to know nobody feels sorry for the upper middle class or the rich but this really this is why people can earn a half a million dollars and have nothing they do not know it magically appeared the money magically appeared when they grew up nobody ever talked about it so it's when you think about money you don't really have to think about numbers so much it is simply a way of thinking So I have been teaching my son since he's two and there's, and I, I train him to think like an investor might, which might seem really complicated and over the top. No, it's money management because there's only one way 99% of us on planet earth can get rich. And that is finding a way to make our money, make more money, which is investing. Now investing, there's only one skill that you cannot delegate and that is delayed gratification. Investing essentially could be boiled down to this. I give up $10 today for the idea that I could get $12 in one year, for example. But you have to be willing to give up the $10. And a lot of people say, I don't even have $10. And I say, well, then start with five. <laughs> it, the, 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 which brings me to another biggest misconception of money is that you need money or lots of money to manage it well. The universe will give you what you can handle. So unless you can manage a little bit of money well, you will never get more or you will never hold on to more for long. So I trained my son to think like an investor. And did he cry with tantrums on the bank floor 
Yes, he did. Bless his heart. And I said, fear not, darling. This is how 30, 40, 50 year olds think. But he was really upset because for every single dollar that he receives, now this is a higher margin, he has to invest 50% of it. If you're, if you're my age, maybe invest 10% or 5% or 1% something, but he's eight now. And investing means sometimes the beginning of investing is simply saving. You have to save up $1,000 to be actually able to invest in any index funds, for example. But now he's eight. It took him six years, but he's now invested in the market. And every single investment he has to do is, or every single dollar he gets, he invests half of it. Now, the other thing is if he ever, want, ever wants to spend his own money, he has to put it on the calendar for 10 days. And that thing in 10 days, he's allowed to buy it with his own money, but it has to be the exact same thing. I wanted an Elmo doll, for example. Can't shift. This allows him to keep more money in his pocket and it's really building the skill of delayed gratification. Right, now that is a big one right now because delayed gratification is something that many people, especially millennials and younger generation, um, struggle with because everything is instant you want your food order it'll be there in 30 minutes or less straight to your door um you want to watch a movie click buy watch i mean everything's instant even we, i mean people don't wait two three days for people to call back and go thank you so much for calling me back so soon now it's now they're they're checking i just sent that person a text or a phone call how come they haven't called me back in the next hour Yep. What's wrong? So please address that, that idea of delayed gratification. So this is how I do it, and it's effortless. I am the laziest person you'll ever see. We're the, the best person to give financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> I'm so lazy, and I do not want one day to pass by that is not working hard for me. And so that means investing every day that I every day I invest. And then that will mean that I have to work less and less and less and less and less. So if I have a bad day, or if I hate my job, or if I've evolved into some situation where I'm like, holy hell, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for that mountain of money that's growing. Now this gets people all crazy. This is how money grows. Little, 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 but then there's a hockey stick. It spikes. The amount of money you invest does not build the fortune. Time builds the fortune. And if you don't let a day go away that you're not investing $1, $5, $10. I'm talking, that's why they say the Starbucks coffee. It's not the coffee, it's the dollars. These small amount of dollars will change your life. That's one of the biggest mysteries. So it is not sacrificing anything. It's not sacrificing drinks with your friends or special dates or the, the sexy things that you want to light up your night. None of that. It is sacrificing. This is the tip. This is the major tip. Most people are trained to look at price. This is a $20,000 ring. I'm a minimalist. I do not waste my money, and yet I'm wearing this fancy ring because I don't look at price. I look at value. And when you learn to weigh value of something, value is much harder because value is subjective. 
do you want pampers? You might want pampers, but some people that have no baby do not want pampers. They are very invaluable. It's subjective and it always floats. So I have this scale. Is this a one, three, eight, or 13? One, my dog wouldn't even buy it. Three, eh, eight, okay, I really kind of like it. 13, my heart is pounding with fireworks. Now what happens is, for example, I was invited to my cousin's second wedding. When I said the truth of my heart, that was a three for me. But I felt social obligation. I felt like, oh my gosh, he's going to think I'm cheap. I sent him a bigger present, called it a day. Yeah, very good, very good stuff. And um, yeah, that there's a lot of really good nuggets there for a lot of people who are working on their finances now and for young adults who think, oh, that's for old people to do when they get there. <laughs> I'm just trying to make enough money to pay the rent. You still can create a financial abundance for yourself using the energy of the universe and how to create. So uh, like the different examples we spoke about earlier about leveraging all the resources in the universe to get the outcome that you want to experience. And, um, and again, love money. It's the same thing. It's, it's just, the same thing. It's the same thing. And even love can be painful and can hurt you too. So uh, it depends on how do you see love and how do you define love? So how do you see money? How do you define money? And um, just like everybody who is looking for love, they say you must love yourself first and find that love, peace, and happiness inside yourself first. And you will manifest or attract whatever you want to call it. Um, someone of equal or more value to you because that is what you radiate at it's the same thing with finances you must feel it inside and then the abundance has no choice but to be attracted to you and that's what i hear consistently you over and over and over again saying this the same thing um so what is financial nirvana well money i feel like is just a genie Meaning that it's the, the most quintessential shape, it's the most quintessential shape shifter. You can transform it into anything. So to me, financial nirvana is, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but money kind of evaporates. Money's really a tool. It's, um, it's, it's like, here you are, you're the goddess, the sorceress of your universe, and this is your wand. Some things cost money. Oh, some things don't like love, but maybe a little carriage ride. And so it's, you, I guess you don't think about it consciously anymore. You just, your dreams feel like they're delivered. Like, I, I, am I explaining that clearly enough? Meaning as opposed to, can I afford that? Can I not afford it? Um, right, right. So, I mean, I mean, the thing that I'm getting is just basically stop thinking in lack and scarce, scarcity because of your self-projection um, of the lack and scarcity that you had maybe growing up and just start um, focusing and moving forward to, 
forward on the things that you want, working with energies of the universe, being open to the different ways that you can be abundant, and then be grateful when they come through. And just that constant state of synchronicity and gratitude is financial nirvana. <laughs> I mean, that's all I could, I, could, I could think about it to be. It is, but you could even, it's, it's, it's a self-perpetuating cycle because you could be depressed, terrible, think things are not going to work out, but you just say, you know what, they're not going to work out, but I'm going to put these $2 away. I'm going to put these $2 away every day. And all of a sudden that builds the momentum of that energy because you're now building something you want to flow into. Right, and right, then, right. Right. I'm teaching that with my daughter, my, my five-year-old. I say, you know, if everybody put all the change in the world, we would basically have enough money to help the world um, out of their financial problems. Um, but what we can do in our house right now is whenever we have change, we're putting the change drawer or the change bucket. At the end of the year, you get to pick the charity that you want to donate this change to. So it's a very fun thing. So now every single penny, every single dollar, is like this is going to go to my charity. It's going to help the kids. And so you know, I'm building kind of that good steward and that good mindset of don't more focus on the scarcity and not having it. That bucket will fill up. So it just keeps on filling up and filling up, and just keep moving forward. And 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 it's a really simple thing that you could do young and kind of build up. And, um, you know, I mean, you and I both have very similar backgrounds. Um, you, you said that your family lived in a bus. You live in a bus. Um, that's pretty darn poor girl. <laughs> that's pretty poor. That's My, keeping it, that's keeping it close to the ground. Yes. Yeah. 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 My family, um, we were, we're political asylums from Laos and, um, we lived in section eight government housing, low-income housing, um, food stamps, um, low-income um, lunches at school, basically throughout all of um, high school, all my grade school years and so forth. But, you know, I, I obviously didn't want to get, I didn't want to get married and I didn't want to go to work. So I chose the third option, which was go to college and um, get, go from there because um, I always was college bond. I watched a little bit too much Felicity growing up. <laughs> so, so she made college look really, really cool. So I'm like, I'm going to do that. So anyways, um, but the, the thing is that a lot of people, you know, when they look at successful people, they're like, oh, it's because, you know, you got the gravy train or because all of this stuff happened to you and da, 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 da. And I don't think that. I think it's the, it's the psychology, the mindset in which you have. And the mindset is very much not even paying attention to the scarcity, don't even giving it, not even giving it the time. Like, yeah, bad things happen sometimes. You know, I, I lost my townhouse. I lost my property. I lost everything. I lost my first marriage. I, I had one point I had $5 and a buck teeth dog buck-toothed dog from the ASPCA and that was it nothing on my credit card everything it's just you know all that all gone and a lot of people have been there but a lot of people are especially right now during the pandemic this going into this year and going into 2021 and even long after 2021 the next couple years as we kind of come out of the economics of what happened to the economics during the pandemic, people are really worried about 
oh my goodness, what if I lose my house? What if I lose my job? What if I lose, you know, what if, what if, what if? What if you do lose it? So what? What if you do lose it? So what do you have to say about that? Because that is top that is, of mind right now. Yeah, that's, I totally can resonate with that. My husband has a spa, so you can imagine. And we live in the Manhattan middle of New York City and maximum capacity is 25%. So I, I mean since I known him this would have been this would have been a, a personification of my worst fears. But I know I keep saying remove the money block. <laughs> remove the money block. Um, but it's I guess after I removed the money block, I feel like, yes, it could, we could be bankrupt. Yes, everything could be lost, potentially. But no, no situation is permanent. Even Mark Cuban, the, that rich, rich guy, he said, my bank account, which is super fat, is a reflection of the past. It has nothing to do with now. It doesn't mean it will stay that way. And so, yeah, it could be lost, but I tell people this. Imagine, let's pick somebody that people admire that's rich. I'm trying to think of somebody. I used to use Bill Gates, but I think he got bad press. But let's imagine <laughs> Oprah. Let's imagine Oprah with no pennies to her name, and we threw her in the middle of Texas somewhere. How long do we think it would take for Oprah? And she can't, she can't phone her rich friends and, you know, ask for a limo ride home. She has to find a way to create her new opulent reality. Do you think it's possible? Do you think within a certain amount of time she would just be on her, she'll be winning again, so to speak. She'll be wealthy or safe or anything. And that's a question, but I think, yes, it wouldn't take her very long to be like, okay, I got to find a way to make this happen. And, and she would. And you don't lose all the skills that got you that first house, for example. You, d you don't, you're wiser, you're richer for it. And I guess if we could stop thinking that money comes slowly or money just comes a little bit at a time. Money can just gush like a waterfall over your head is what money can do. And that feels ridiculous if you haven't experienced it. But there is, there's not some special way that money can, comes. It can come fast and it can come easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I completely resonate with that because I've seen it happen with so many different people. And, you know, one of the things that comes in, comes into mind when it comes to um, worries about potential hardship that could happen is oftentimes in many of the cases, the worries are worse than the actual um, event. So I'll give an example from my personal life. I had a, um, a townhouse that I had bought when I was um, younger. Anyways, it was, uh, it was underwater. I couldn't afford it. Um, situations in my life has changed. But anyways, the worry of losing my townhouse, my home, was more effort um than just uh letting it go and eventually it got to the point where i just recognized the reality of the market 
and um, I let it go. And I let go of, okay, so the worst that can happen is I lose my house and move in with my family for a little bit until I can get on my feet. No problem. Thank, thank goodness I have good friends and family. They don't care. All right, no problem. The worst thing that can happen is my credit score goes from excellent to nothing. No problem. I don't care. I can work that back up. No, no problem. Um, I even lost a marriage. Um, the worst thing that can happen is I never find anybody. No problem. It's okay. I can work with the circumstances. And with, with, so once I got over the fear of the fear of loss, and that I won't survive, then um, lost the home, credit went downhill. Within one year, my credit went back up to excellent. And within five years, I upgraded to four times the house for much, much less than I was paying for in the original house. So, and I also ended up finding um, a wonderful man that um, in, in working out working out with as well so we both leverage our resources together he thinks a lot like me so we leverage our resources together and we creative problem solve and they look at different ways in which we could do things and so um, it's actually quite effortless um, to manifest anything because we know there's multiple ways to do it and we're also open to um, synchronicities happening go well, I didn't see that one let's see how that goes and so we'll work with synchronicities that come up in our reality as well but but what I found in my own personal experience is the fear of of the worst thing is actually the only roadblock to overcoming and going to the next step because sometimes you know you could be the best employee as you like right now a lot of people are worried about losing their job Mm -hmm. because the economy is you know tanking because of coronavirus so the worst thing that could happen to them is they lose a job they maybe lose their house and they maybe not be able to take care of their family so as a financial advisor can you address what's the worst case scenario for this these circumstances for people how do they see the silver lining in that worst potential coming true well i don't know if this will be the best answer but it it I think uh, for me, it's the best answer is to understand money is the most forgiving substance on earth. It will work tirelessly for you, whether you have abused it, mistreated it. It's not like a relationship, so to speak, like, uh, like you might, maybe you were, maybe you didn't hold your promise with your family and now they're holding that grudge for 20 years. Money always will come and be at your back and call money will always try to help you out so if you lose all your money fear not that just washed everything away you didn't but i do say it's really really important to find the pearl necklace when that happens with covid for example my husband's spa it was running around fabulously and then you know, shutdowns, forced shutdowns. So that was nothing, there's nothing that he could mine out of that situation except for, was I over leveraged? Did I create too much debt? Did I keep my expenses low? There was still stuff that he could look at to make sure he was running that efficiently. So if, if you lose your job, it could be no fault of your own. They just can't employ you. They can't afford your salary. But maybe it could have been like, eh, I didn't like the job to begin with. <laughs> I was right. doing the bare minimum. 
So let's say that was the situation. Then you say, I might work at McDonald's. I might work at Burger King. I need something just to turn the lights on and get a biscuit in my mouth, but I will not make that mistake again. I will pursue something that I find interesting. So therefore I can add exceptional value. That would be an example. It, right. It, and yes, it, all things are temporary. The pain will be temporary. I bought this. I thought I was such a genius. I sold my house for this massive profit of it. And I'm like, I could do it again. And I bought this runt. <laughs> Only to wake up in the middle of November, uh, the year we bought it, with no heat. And it could not be installed for three months because you needed a 50 degree day weather. So I had, I can understand being cold and being massively angry <laughs> with oneself. But it passed. And now it's, now I'm like, when buying an apartment, make sure they have heat. You learn the lesson from it so that you don't repeat the same mistake. Absolutely. So, but even, even mistakes are not mistakes. They're just learning lessons. They and are, you will learn they, the same lesson over and over again until you learn it. Until you evolve. Yes. Until you absolutely. evolve. Yes. Yes. That's very good advice. Very good advice. So have hope people. The universe is always co covering your back. And even if you lose everything during this time, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Take it from people who've lost everything. And they, I mean, for me, the, what I learned when I lost everything, I, I came out with my life. Okay. And I came out of my skills and, um, and you will too. And if you lose everything, there are resources to help you. Um, there are plenty of people who love you, who will, you know, be there to offer a helping hand and so forth. So there's a lot of different ways we can leverage each other. Um, I'll give you an example of someone who lost her job. Okay. She was making, I'm going to say about 70000 80000 a year. That's great. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, in IT, I work in Seattle. Maybe they said IT. But she was making that much, and she lost her job. And her family really needed that job. And she has um, four kids. Um, so now she can't afford the child care. So, well, obviously, she lost her job. She's going to take care of them all. So she's taking care of her four kids, doing online school, all this kind of stuff, and um, they really need this income. Well, what ended up happening is many of the kids in the school um, needed childcare as well because their parents work. And so she offered herself as childcare in her home that is, um, you know, very very lip they're very into sanitation um hand washing every all that she's very up on that because she has elderly parents um who visit often and so she offered her home to um leverage as child care and so her neighbors and the kids in the school that her friends that they would play with anyways um, they started coming to the house. And so now they do pods and teaching together and they do the curriculums together. So each part of the house is its own classroom. <laughs> she serves them all their lunches and their breakfast 
facilitates the different pods um, of the online school and um, they pay her it came up to about the same cost of what she was making at her full-time job plus she was spending more than half of her income paying for childcare anyways so now she doesn't have to lose half her income on childcare and all of the extra income she was making offering herself as a service for childcare for all these different families that had um, lucrative jobs that they had to keep on working on she made more money than what she was doing at her original job once she factors in the savings that she took from her own childcare expenses. Absolutely. Chaos creates massive opportunity. More millionaires are made in chaos. Yeah. It exactly. So, um, so at this time, a lot of people, like I, I keep bringing this back home because a lot of people are really worried about finances. But if you leverage what Chis is saying about the abundant universe and being open to the energies and working with it, it might be a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, it might give you an opportunity to start a different career or use your certain circumstances to um, open new opportunities it might be just temporary opportunities but one of the things that a lot of people get i know in my hypnosis sessions when they talk to the higher self it, it will give them um, suggested uh, proposals of what things they need to look for, out for and it'll give them kind of like building blocks and stepping stones to get to where they need so some opportunities are stepping stones just to ride out certain things that the universe is putting into place for you Absolutely. So, yeah. So, it, and I can go on and on with these different kind of stories, um, but the, I picked that one because that one's very relatable to a lot of people. And I also know a lot of business owners who are really scared about losing their business at this time. But uh, instead of calling it out early, they stuck it out and they worked with it. And the government is actually giving small businesses huge checks to ride it out and not close the doors but had they panicked and freaked out and said oh this according to the numbers we're not going to make our finances we're not going to be able to afford everything we have to let everybody off and we've got to close the doors they would not have stuck around long enough for the universe to work out the process to pay these small business owners um a hundred grand or more to keep your doors open during the pandemic don't close your business so panic is not um the best thing to do at this time so yeah i i say that in my practice i always say who's at the mic who's at the mic and we don't take orders from the voice of fear they never lead us in the proper direction Exactly. So take it from, from Trish. She's telling you guys that the, the God's honest universal truth. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. And so what if you lose it all? So what? Okay. You don't know what's around the corner. Because oftentimes what's around the corner is probably going to be 
so much better than you thought. It's like crying over an ex-boyfriend when you're married to the most wonderful person. <laughs> you know? Stop crying about the ex-boyfriend. You married the most wonderful person, but you had to get over that to get here. So it's, that's how it is of life. It is. And also they say, um, a, a good question that pops up is why do people have to lose it all? Why do people have to lose it all? Because the fear goes away. When you have nothing left to lose, the fear subsides. And so that's just a little microcosm for how much fear is influencing and creating the chaos. Now, it doesn't mean be happy or pretend everything's okay. It's, I always say to myself, like a mantra, I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm whole and complete as exactly as I am. Now, I might not feel it, and I might say it like a security blanket, but it does eventually calm me down so that I can make a more abundant choice. Right. Exactly. Because you can't make abundant choices when you're stuck in fear mode or panic mode. No, your mind is literally hijacked. They, they, they'll scientifically prove that to you, that you cannot think when you are fearful. Exactly. Now, let me ask you um, one last question. How can communities or even states, but mostly communities, build self-sufficient economies independent from relying heavily on the resources of the government? You know, the, for example, this is a very concrete way. So I've had childcare every single year that my, my son's eight. My daughter's two, and she was enrolled to go into the YMCA. Friday night, she was going to start on Monday. They called and said they couldn't get enough kids to go to the program, and the program was canceled. Now, the program was cheap, meaning 2200 a month, and the next available program was 3000 a month, which was out of my budget. So I said, what could we do? There was another person in that program and they suggested, well, how about we baby swap? So I do Monday, my husband does Tuesday, his wife does Wednesday, he does Thursday. So everybody just does one day. And of course, what flared up, oh my gosh, I don't know, is this going to work out? This is going to feel awkward. What if it doesn't work? I said, let's try it for one week. It has been so amazing. My daughter is standing at the door before this call saying, Anna, Anna, her name's Hannah, hoping that she, I'm like, she's coming over tomorrow. She was just here today. And so if you had told me a year ago that I would be the the childcare provider, I would have thought you were nuts. But it's shocking how much your reality can shift and you can love it. I made them pumpkin muffins and I'm like, I'm making pumpkin muffins on a Monday. It there's and I have three days off because of this arrangement and it's completely free. So I guess that's a winded story for saying free childcare. I mean, you basically didn't pay $3,000 a month. You got free because you creatively problem solve. You're open to the universe, giving you options. You got a $3,000 childcare for free, but also um, you got more. Your child has friends to play with the same set of friends. So there's not, they're not intermingling with a lot of different people. It's the same people. Mm-hmm. One other little girl. Yeah, exactly. And, and the biggest barrier was my mind. You my had to get f- over your fear. My fear. And so I said, okay, <laughs> what, what's great about having limited options is you're willing to try things. So 
Yeah, I love that. Well, Therese, I it was a, such a delight to talk to you about finances. Um, you really gave lots of people valuable nuggets of um, information to chew on for how they can manifest a stable growing finances during these times of worry. Um, and it is really a two-step process. Know what you want, you get yes. clear, and then focus on the prize. Don't focus on, uh, on the scarcity or the lack or the fear or the panic. Just focus on the prize. And the universe will, through synchronicity, bring opportunities to you that you never thought of. So just be creative in your problem solving. And that's really it. Um, so thank you again for a fun interview. If you want to know more about Teresa's offering, just go and visit her website, which is investinivy.com. And um, on there, you can also find her worksheet as well that could help you kind of like break down your financial yeah. abundance issues. The best place would go, it's on every YouTube video um, in the description. If you want that worksheet, you just go to Trice, T-R-I-C-E, Pruitt, P-R-U-I-T-T, and you will see my name pop up on YouTube. And you'll just click on any video and it'll be there. Right. Or you can just Google her name, Therese Pruitt, and it will come up as well. There's many different ways to find her. So yep. um, lots of great information. And I love to talk, you know, I, I know it's a taboo in the West, but I love talking about money because it's talking too, about girl. love. It's talking about love. You know, it's just talking about love. So um, just redefine your definition of love and it will come forward. So um, for everyone else, thank you kindly to listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.